0: I'm just kidding. In uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 through 9, and uh, it says this, Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. Just to give some backdrop, uh, Pastor, uh, just really explain what was happening during this time in the story. There's a famine in the land that is uh, just horrific. Uh, People are eating things they never thought they would eat just to survive. It's, it's, it's devastating. But God gives this message, and it says, this is what the Lord says, By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We'll starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we'll starve if we go back in there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. They cried to one another. It was just four lepers, though. So they panicked and they ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing, and they hid it. Say hid it. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is the day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anybody. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on. Let's go back and tell the people at the palace. The title of my message today is this. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Sam, thank you, man. I know I was going to keep you up here. Um, this is actually Caleb's younger brother, Sam. The family's just, they, they run the church here. They're business owners and they run the church here. It's, it's awesome. Thank you, Sam. Uh, there's, a, there's a famine in the land um, and uh, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, they're eating, as you um, heard even last week for those that were here, they're eating uh, dove dung, dove doo-doo. They're eating donkey heads. They're, they're desperate. Uh, it's it's absolutely desperation mode. Uh, people are even reverting to eating their own children. This is how bad it was in this day. Um, you know, you may not be experiencing something that severe, but maybe you're going through something today. Perhaps it's not directly like a famine, but maybe, maybe maybe, all hell is breaking loose in your household. Maybe your kids want nothing to do with God. Maybe you've been battling sickness for like years now, and it's just becoming normal. Maybe you've been diagnosed with something there's no cure for. Maybe you feel like you're losing your mind. We're all experiencing something. It may not be a famine, but it may be something that's a big deal to you, and, and if you're like me, When I start dealing with stuff, I start to do everything I can to fix those problems. I start throwing solution after solution after solution on all of my problems, but sometimes the solutions that I throw at my problems just don't seem to work. Has anybody ever been there before? It's like, man, I thought if I could just find one more relationship, I would be happy. Man, I thought if I could just get that job, I would be okay. Man, my doctor said if I took this medication, I would be doing better by now. Have you ever felt like you've done everything you know to do, and it still seems like nothing is changing? The reality is is that your problem could be more spiritual than it is natural. And this is what I know about spiritual problems. Natural solutions can't solve them. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says this. Ephesians 6 verse 12, it's talking pertaining to your, your problem. Not the problem that you look at in the mirror. Not the problem that you can taste, see, smell, touch, and feel. But the problem behind the problem it says in verse 12 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places some of y'all think that is that some scary stuff right there i didn't know i was living in a horror movie let's read the amplified translation i like this one a little bit better it says for our struggle or what you're struggling with today is not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents. We think it's a physical problem, but it could be a spiritual problem. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. If we're going to find a solution for our spiritual problem, we are going to need spiritual solutions. And the people in this time, they're experiencing a problem. And notice that God does not send a king to solve this problem, He sends Elisha, a prophet. Because Elisha is going to see the root of the problem, a king's just going to diagnose what he thinks is happening. And this is why if you put your trust in anything other than God, you're going to leave yourself hanging, wondering why life is just not making sense. God understands in this day and age, in this time that we're talking about today, this is not just a problem a king can fix. I need to send the man of God to go and declare a word. I'm here to tell you today, guys, the world is going to get darker and darker and darker. And the solution is not going to be in any political party. The solution is not going to be in a social group. The solution is going to be in the men and women of God that can speak life into an environment. He uses Elisha. He doesn't use a king. God is still using pastors and preachers today to declare the word of the Lord that can properly diagnose what you're dealing with. And when you implement those solutions, it's going to start to change. But the solutions are spiritual. They're not natural. That's why you can come into a church service with a natural mentality. A dude says that giving is the way that God's going to bless you. But that doesn't register with my natural thinking because your problem's a spiritual problem. He uses Elisha to bring a solution. This is why we have to come to church. This is why you have, if not this church, a church that's ordained by God with preachers that are going to pray, that are going to fight to hear the voice of God. I'm supposed to be doing a relationship series, not a what are you waiting for, but I'm fighting to hear the words from God because I believe you're not here by accident today. I don't believe you just accidentally showed up or you're tuning in just for fun. I believe God has a word for you. Continue to come to church. Coming to church shouldn't be an option. I need to know what the man of God is saying because my my solutions are not out there because there's not one king on the planet that'll look at your life and say, by this time tomorrow, your kid's gonna be off of drugs. By this time tomorrow, healing's gonna flow in your body. By this time tomorrow, that thing you've been struggling with is gonna be gone, gone, bye-bye. There's no king that can say that, but if a prophet can see through it, you can see change take place in your life. God uses Elisha. He uses Elisha, why? Because it's a spiritual problem, not a natural problem. I need someone that can see beyond the surface. Elisha was able to see something the king could not see. God uses Elisha to declare the word, but God does not use Elisha to fulfill the word. God uses four lepers. He uses four lepers. Elisha says, by this time tomorrow, everything is going to change. But God didn't send Elisha into the camp of the enemy. He sent sent four, four lepers. It's going to be really easy in life. I've experienced this myself. I'll naturally depend on people that are more spiritual than me to do the work for me. And mama's prayers are only going to get you so far in life. There's going to be a time where you have to say, I have to begin to do this for myself. Everyone could have said, well, Elisha gave the word. How about Elisha, you go do it. God's like, no, I need you to do it. It's time for you to rise up. I'm grateful God used four lepers because if God can use four lepers, God could use you today. If God could use four lepers, God, I know this is your first day, but God can use you today. There's a plan. There's a purpose for you. It's time that you take a stand. Even coming to church, church is much more than a spectating sport. We participate at Celebration Church. How many more months are we going to come in looking at that same greeter open the door for you, it's time that you go to that door and you open it for somebody else. God said, Elisha, I need you to give the word, but I need the people to fulfill the word. I know it's a little stinger, but man, I'm just, I believe I'm here on assignment. I'm preaching to myself. Growing up even, growing up in my life in what was normal to me, and shout out to all the praying mamas out there but I knew for me, I have to change the narrative to that. I'm, I'm going to be fighting for some praying daddies out there. That kids, that kids don't just see their mom as the spiritual leader. Sir, you're the spiritual leader. If God could use a leper, he could use you. I know, but I don't really know how to pray. Well, we eat every day. Just start by praying for the food. It'll cause a shift in your family. When your kids look at you just saying, bless the food in Jesus' name, they'll look at you differently. You'll start to shift the spiritual culture in your family. It's time that we stop looking for Elisha to go fulfill the word. He's looking for four lepers to fulfill the word. I know as a dad, man, I'm a dad, and I feel like a failure so many times, but sometimes I just have to make the decision, I'm going to be the first one to be ready to go to church today. I can do that. If I can get up to go to work, I can get up and sit on the couch and say, hurry up, guys, we're going to church. That statement alone right there would shift the narrative to the future of your kids. Elisha delivered the word, but God wasn't expecting Elisha to go do it. He was looking for four lepers. Today, we're going to go to another level. We've been sitting long enough. It's time that you stand up. It's time that you begin to take the steps that God is asking you to take. And I love God because he doesn't ask anyone to take leaps. He just asks them to take steps. There's a very practical step that could lead to something that can change your life. Elisha declares the word, but he doesn't fulfill it four lepers do. Four lepers go towards the enemy's camp. Man, I started thinking about this, and you know what, Ben? Y'all can come back up. I feel like I sound better with a piano, a piano player behind me. It makes you sound a little bit more spiritual than you really are. I was thinking about God's choice, these four lepers. I was um, was driving. I, when I really need to pray or like I'm preparing. I go in my car and I drive. It's not because my car is like really spiritual. My house is just really loud. I have three girls that play music all day long on YouTube. They're dancing. Some of the music I'm thinking, I know your grandma, not their row My mama is giving you a playlist that you should not be listening to, girl. If you knew what those words were saying in Spanish, oh Jesus. I'm like, what are y'all doing? But it's loud in my house. I was in my car. I was praying and and I just said, God. I said, God. Why would you use four lepers? Why'd you use those four lepers? You could use anybody. You could have used anybody in the camp. Why'd you use those four lepers? And I just felt like the spirit of God on the inside said, because nobody was as hungry as they were. Nobody was as hungry as they were. You see, it's not like they had a whole lot of food in Samaria, but they still had some dove dung in Samaria. Those four lepers didn't have. Not, not, those four lepers had nothing. Those four lepers were standing on the outside of the gate. Some people were just hanging by a thread, but these four lepers didn't even have a thread to hang on. God was looking to see who's hungry, who's hungry, who's hungry. God can work with hungry people. God can look past all your dysfunction, all your past if he finds a hungry person. These lepers, I'm telling you, were not the most qualified to run into this camp to fulfill the word of the Lord, but they were hungry, and nobody was as hungry as they were. Can you can you be hungry today? I want to read a verse today that I believe can really bring clarity. In Psalms 107, verse 9, it says this, For he, speaking of God, satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things. He fills the hungry. You want some good things in your life from God? you got to start getting hungry. I gotta get passionate about the things of God. I gotta get hungry for the things of God. This is good news if you feel like you're a leper, because on the outside, you got nothing to offer. But I have a heart that says, God, if you say it, I'll do it. God, if you say to be there, I will be there. God, if you say to sign up for that, I'll sign up. God, if it's a big deal to you, it's now a big deal to me. I may not register with that yet, but if you say it's a big deal, it's a big deal to me. My daughter does this all the time. She, my, my youngest daughter, Harlow, always trying to butter up dad. And she gets good things from dad, more better things than even the other two. Harlow, she's learning. She's learning. She, like, she knows I like to watch football and basketball. Obviously, football for my team ended months ago. But we watch basketball, and uh, she'll always walk up because she's always typically watching TV first. When I walk in the room, she brings the remote, and she's like, Daddy, I want to watch basketball. I know she doesn't want to watch basketball. She's just saying, "Dad, whatever's a big deal it's a big deal TV." Why? Cuz she knows good things come with that. The other day, she wanted to pick a fight with me though. She's getting bold like her mama. That's where she gets it from her mom. She was standing up to me. But I'm thinking, "Girl, you are 2 feet tall, 3 years old. You're not going to stand up." I said, "Give me your give me give me the remote. I'm going to watch TV." "No, Dad, I'm watching Peppa Pig." I'm like, "I don't care. The Laker game is on. I'm watching TV." "No, Dad, it's my TV, too." I said, "Whoa!" And then everything that my dad used to say to me started to make sense. I said, Did you pay for that TV? And and she she was going to say, Yeah, but she knew she didn't. I said, That is your dad's TV. It is not your TV. So I sent her to the room. I I had to let my foot down. Next day, I walk in the room, and uh, we're sitting next to each other watching TV. And she's like, Daddy? I'm like, Yeah. She goes, Daddy, that's your TV. And I'm like, That's right, girl. She gets good things. We're hungry, but are we hungry for the right things? Are we hungry for the things of God? Because when you begin to develop, develop an appetite for the things of God, God will start shining lights on you that are not on anybody else. Even in what I'm doing today, it's so funny. I was in, we had a birthday party. They had a party for me, the staff, and they're like, and I forgot. Dude, you lead the staff at Celebration Church. I'm like, do they know who they're? talking to. When I first showed up to this church 15 years ago, no one knew who I was. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything spiritual. I didn't grow up going to church every weekend with parents that were like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go take this mountain. I had no concept of what God was really trying to do in the earth, but when I realized he's real and he can use someone like me, I said, God, I'm gonna get hungry for your things and God would start to move me. He would start to use me. He'd start to do things. I was reminding myself as I was reading the Bible a couple days ago of this story. It was a relationship series. I think I was 19 years old. It was the first time I ever got on a stage. Oh, it was so silly. They should not have given me a microphone. It was a relationship series, kind of like today is supposed to be. And I thought, well, I read this scripture, and there was this guy on the boat. His name was Simon Peter. For anyone that's been in church long enough, you know Simon Peter. They're the same person. Simon was just his name before God changed it to Peter. So I don't know that. I think Simon and Peter are two different guys hanging out on a boat. So I make my whole message about Simon and Peter on the same boat, talking about them like they're two different people. I didn't know nothing about the Bible, but I was hungry for the things of God and said, well, I'll use you. I'll use you when you get hungry for the things of God. Get ready, man. God is about to show out in your life. I believe some of you, as that hunger starts to develop, your application is going to just have a beaming light on it when it gets submitted. Some of you are going to walk into the workplace, and people are going to look at you differently. What is it? It's called the favor of God. Start getting hungry for the things of God. These guys got hungry, and as they started making moves, God caused them to sound like a mighty army. God's going to make you sound better than you sound. God is going to make you look way better than you look. God is going to take your life and catapult it to another level. He's going to cause you. He's going to cause you to be the you that you never thought you could be. How do I do that? I gotta start getting hungry, man. I'm a leper, but I'm hungry. God, I'm here, God, I'm here. Every day I wake up, God, I'm here. God, I'm here, God, I'm here. I have to remind myself every day, God, I'm right here. God, thank you for, for causing me. God, thank you for causing me this, for causing me. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Because I've seen, though you start hungry, You don't always end hungry. These lepers, they make a big move into the camp of the enemy. God causes them to sound like a mighty army. They get into the camp, and they're like, nobody's here. They go in from one tent into another tent. They're getting their grub on. They're getting their drink on. They're getting new clothes. And then the Bible says they hid it. They went in. They hid what they found. It's very easy to go from being hungry to then acting like a fool person. And you can define fool however you want, but we start acting like a fool person. Fool people take the blessing that came from God and they start, they start hiding it. That's just, that's just for me. God, thank you, but that's, that's mine. It's mine now. That talent that you blessed me with, God, thank you. Oh, it's awesome, you caused me but it's, that's mine. God, you bless my business, thank you, but let me go bury that really quick. Let me just go and, uh, let me go, oh, there it is right there. Let me bury, the, oh, that's, we got built in props on this stage. That's mine. They went from being hungry and they started acting fool. They started acting fool, they started hiding everything. It wasn't just intended for them, it was intended for the world. They started hiding it. They started acting, they started acting fool. How do you know if you're acting, if you're acting fool? You start adopting a new narrative to how you've accumulated everything that you have. Because the story used to be man, I was on my deathbed, but God healed my body. Fool people say, you know, I was on my deathbed and uh, I think God healed me, but dang, the medication was powerful. And you know, I started eating healthier too, son. And because I'm eating healthier now, God has blessed me. <laughs> The hungry person says, my business is only still thriving because I was given, and God blessed me, and it looked like it was going under. Son, it looked, but a, but a fool person says, well, you know what, son, actually, I know that was a story I told you last year, but actually, I think things just started to change in the housing stock market, and it just boomed. It was awesome, and, and I'm pretty smart. I've been reading a lot of these books. We start changing the narrative to what you have, and you start acting like a fool person. you got to continue to remind yourself how you got to where you're at It'll keep you hungry. Every day, my, my daughters love to hear stories from me. And I tell them everything that God has done. I don't take any credit for it. God did this. My daughter's dog was dead, as good as dead. I think it was still breathing. The vet was going to put it to sleep. Pastor shree's like, well, if there's still some breath, just take it home. I start getting a shovel. Where am I going to bury my daughter's dog? But something hit me. What do you believe? Can God heal your animal? Oh, I found out that God does care about animals. I found out that God will give you the desires of your heart. I went into that room. I prayed for that dog that was lifeless in that thing. I was preparing where to bury the dog. That's how dead it was. I go back in there. Three hours later, the dog is jumping, barking, cannot sit down. I go to my daughter. I said, "Kova, guess who did this? Not your daddy. God did this. God did this. And never forget it. God did this. God did this. God did this. You got to stay you got to stay hungry. And if you do especially in the moment that we're living in, God is looking to put a distinction upon hungry people and full people. A distinction that'll blow your mind. A distinction that will take you to another level. Hungry people and full people. I'm going to sign up to be hungry. How do you stay hungry? i got to remind myself every day, God, thank you for what you've done. God, thank you for blessing me. God, I'm going to take a time out because I'm starting to complain. Thank you for blessing me. Stay hungry. Because the lives of the full people slowly start to fall apart. They start to fall apart. Maybe you feel like your life is falling apart. We'll never want to equate it that it's because you're not hungry. We'll blame everything else. But could it be because you're not as hungry as you were a year ago? Could your life be falling apart because you're not as hungry as you were 10 years ago? Before, when there was a window of opportunity to obey, you would not even sign up. You would just run for it, and now you have to sit there and think about it. If your life is falling apart today, there's good news. Being hungry is still on the table. I didn't know that I was going to go there with this. This was not how I was going to end this message. But I was up all night just reading the book of 2 Kings. And uh, while you can't uh, prove this, you can't disprove it. I like that. I called pastor today. I said, I want to share this. He says, well, you can't disprove that. And I want to just, because I started thinking, who were those four lepers? I mean, I, I'm reading, who were those four lepers? Whatever happened to those guys? Like, whatever happened to them? So I'm like, maybe, maybe the four lepers will come up in the next chapter. I don't know. Who were those four lepers? I went back two chapters to, 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 to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, I can't prove this, but you can't disprove this. In 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to read a couple of verses from there. It says this. This is before the scenario that we're reading, before all the craziness breaks out. There is this man named Elisha who we're talking about, and he has this servant named Gehazi. And there's this king that sends this man named Naaman. Say Naaman. Naaman has leprosy. He goes over and he knocks on Elisha's door. And he's waiting for Elisha to come out and to wave his hands over him and that leprosy would disappear. But Elisha sends out Gehazi. Gehazi comes out and he says, hey, the man of God, Elisha said, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And on the seventh time you come out, your leprosy is going to be gone. The, the Naaman is upset. Man, this is a somebody. Dude, tell your, tell your master to come talk to me face to face. He's like, no, go tip seven times. Whatever. Naaman leaves, comes back, finally does what Gehazi told him to do, and he gets healed of his leprosy. And Naaman is so happy, he gathers all of these gifts. He gathers silver, gathers all these great gifts, and is like, Elisha, I have all these gifts for you. Thank you. Elisha says, I want none of them. Take them your way and go home. Someone had a wrong relationship with the accumulation of God's blessing. It says in Second King. But when they arrived at the citadel, uh, citadel, Gehazi. Sorry, man, I gotta. Gehazi took the gifts. Gehazi he took the gifts from the servants and he sent the men back. Then he went and he hid. Say hid. Uh oh, I think I've heard this before. He hides the gifts in the house. Gehazi, he gets the gifts, and he, he hides them in the house, and he goes back like he did nothing. Verse 26, but Elisha asked him, Don't you realize that I was there with you in spirit when Naaman stepped down from the chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive oil, vineyard, sheep and cattle, and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. And when Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was as white as snow. Elisha starts bearing, I'm sorry, Gehazi starts bearing the blessings, hides them. He hides them and setting them apart. And what happens? His life starts falling apart. Instantly, his life starts falling apart. I have, God's given me a lot of time, especially on Sundays, but I'm going to hide my time. I don't know that I want to be at church on Sunday. God's been blessing me, but I'm just going to, his life starts falling apart. The Bible says that Naaman's leprosy falls on Gehazi and his descendants. So now I'm thinking, well, let's go. And this is all happening while I'm asleep. I'm keeping my wife awake. It's like a movie. Said in said Kings chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. It says, when the man with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking the wine. They carried off the silver and gold and clothing, and they hid it. When I read that, I'm like, I know another guy that hid it. Could this be the same? And then I started thinking. Verse 9 says, finally, they, finally someone had enough sense to say, guys, unbury that stuff. We're not going to keep hiding what God has, unbury that stuff. This leprous man starts digging up everything he had been hiding. It's called restoration. God, your mind's about to be blown. These four lepers start unburying everything that they were hiding. They take it back to Elisha. And I'm waking my wife up. I'm like, do you think, do you think those four lepers could have been like Gehazi and his crew? Like, do you think that Gehazi, two chapters later, while he was burying stuff, was reminded, dude, the last time you buried stuff, it didn't go well for you. Unbury this stuff up. We are taking it back to the palace. It's a picture of repentance. It's a picture of making the adjustment. You might have spent your entire life thinking about yourself, but we're going to unbury that life, and we're going to figure out how God wants to use it. So I told my wife, well... It'd be a cool story if it was Gehazi. Like, wouldn't that be cool? And, but I don't know. Like, dang it. Who knows? It was like midnight. I was going to call pastor, but I'm like, he's probably asleep. And I just had this thought. Go read the next chapter in 2 Kings chapter 8. You guys can throw it up there on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 8. This is after the lepers bring everything back. It says, after the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to the king to see the king about getting back her house and her land. Next verse. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi. I thought Gehazi was a a, a leper. Lepers don't talk to kings. What if Gehazi was the guy that got leprosy because he hid everything, went and made the adjustment, took everything he was bearing, presented it back to God, said, God, everything I have is because of you. And then God restored him back to his original position. You are one adjustment away from getting back on track. Unbury everything you've been bearing. I know you look like a leper today, but by this time tomorrow, everything about your life can begin to change. One move away someone had enough sense to say i'm gonna dig up everything i've been bearing for myself god what do you want me to do with it and when you do that all of a sudden god can take a leper and put him amongst kings shout out to pastor karina she she gave me that thought today god can transform your life stop bearing everything god has given your life is precious but it was not meant to be buried I believe God's going to put a distinction on his church over full people and hungry people. And if you feel like a leper, nothing to offer, sign up to be hungry. Because God is going to make you an example to your family. God's going to make you an example to your workplace. God is going to catapult your life into a dimension that you did not know was possible. I want to invite you to stand to your feet today. Was this helpful for anybody today? This pastor read this last week and talks about the four lepers running into the camp. You know, I began thinking to myself, like, what if they chose not to run into the camp? What if they chose not to do it? Man, what would have happened to that community that experienced miracles to that mom that was about to lose her daughter to starvation, what would have happened if those four lepers would not have responded properly to go? That's, That's heavy. The weight of that word was on the shoulders of four lepers. And I'm here to tell you today, God wants to use your life to make somebody else's tomorrow look incredible. God wants to use your life to make someone else's tomorrow look better. What if you say no? Who misses out on the miracle? You or them? What if we say, you know what, God, I, I don't know that I want to respond today. I'll do the, maybe maybe next week. These guys had a window of an opportunity to say Yes. The word of the Lord said, by this time tomorrow, everything is going to change. I believe if they would have taken two days to go do it, God could not have caused them to sound greater. He had already set his word in motion. God's word never returns void. He set his word in motion. These guys had to respond the moment that thought came to mind to go for it. If God is speaking to you to do something, stop waiting. What are you waiting for? it doesn't just affect you, it affects the people around you. And I want us to feel that today. There's days I wake up and I just wanna say no. I'm 33 years old, I'm not that old. But there is weight that comes with being in ministry. There's weight to doing this. I think the older I get, I realize being a pastor, you just make yourself more of a target than anybody else. Do I want to sign up to be a target, God? Not really. But if it's what you need me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Why? Because I believe that God might use me to help somebody else. God's going to use you. You're a teacher. God's going to use you. You're a nurse. God's going to use you. You're a mechanic. God's going to use you. You're a stay-at-home mom. God is going to use you. Shout out to the stay-at-home moms that are able to stay at home. Do not belittle what you do. God has you there because you're equipping and you're training your kids who will launch out and do the work of the Lord. It's a big deal. There's weight on all of us, there's a plan for all of us. My question is Are you going to say yes? My prayer is that you do. My prayer is that you do, that you don't get to heaven and think, Oh my goodness. Imagine the four lepers getting to heaven one day thinking, Dude, remember when we thought about actually taking God serious? Yeah, look what could have happened if we said, oh my, we were right there. Don't waste another moment. Don't waste another day. Make it about God. Make it about God. Some of you have no idea how to get clarity for your next step. I remember when I gave my life to God in 2007 at a youth camp, I knew I was right with God through Jesus prayed the prayer. I I made up my mind. In this moment, I'm no longer in the driver's seat, God. I pick up and adopt your way of thinking. It's done. My next thought was, God, what in the world do you want me to do with my life? I can go any direction at this point. I have nothing going for me, God. But I'll do whatever it is. I believe clarity came to my next step. One, because the timing of it. For some of you, it may not be today. It may be a month from now but the posture of your heart should never change. What am I saying? Give God your yes before he tells you what you're going to do. In that moment, not knowing what my next step was, I said, God, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you have my yes. Clarity came. When Jesus was walking around picking the disciples, he didn't tell them where they were going. He said, I need your yes before you even get this process going. Come follow me. They didn't know what they were signing up for. They were probably nervous. Do I want to drop everything I'm doing? For what, God? Give me the plan, and then I'll decide. God says, it don't work that way with me, baby. I need your yes, and when you give me your yes, I will introduce you to a life that you've never dreamed of. Father, we just come in the name above every name, the name of Jesus. And God, you absolutely love every person in this room, every person online. God, your word says that before they were ever formed in their mother's womb, that you already had a plan, that you already had an assignment, that you already had a purpose for them. And God, I just pray today for the hungry ones that give you their yes that you would bring clarity to them, that you would grant them boldness to take those steps, that you would grant them courage. I declare by faith that they don't operate in a spirit of fear, but rather in a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. They are fearless. They are willing to give you their yes. And God, I just pray that you would begin to mark them with distinction quickly. God, that things would turn around quickly, that your blessings would come to the hungry ones quickly. God, today, we just take a moment to magnify your name, to exalt your name, to let you know that though I'm a leper, you are a big deal to us. Todd, can we sing that, Todd? Let's worship God in this moment. I believe God's going to bring some answers to people. He's going to bring answers to people. He's going to bring answers to people. For some, he's going to bring back to remembrance the things he told you to do a long time ago. And I hear God saying, hey, the offer is still on the table if you'll give me your yes. The offer is still on the table if you'll give me your yes today. Nothing else time to make a God move because he'll always ask you to do it when it looks like you're in a position to not do it because when that miracle takes place he wants the narrative to be to the world that what I'm walking in today is not because I crossed every T. I dotted every eye and I made the move when I was supposed to make the move. Why I'm in the blessing is because God can bless me in and out of every season. Don't you wait till it's convenient to make that move? It'll cost you because the convenient time will never come. When's the time? Now's the time. Be quick to obey. There are some things that you can wait a month wait two months to obey, but then there's other things that God's like, yo, you got a window, man. You got a window, and you better respond properly in that window because it could alter your life in one of two directions. When God wants to get a hold of you, trust me, you will not struggle to hear the voice of God. He knows how to get... But when he does, make sure you respond. No ifs, ands, or buts. God, you got. How can I position myself for it to be a little easier when God presents me the opportunity? Give him your yes before the opportunity ever shows up. So when it does, you don't have to convince everybody. I've already signed up to do it. I've already given him my yes. I believe this is going to help somebody. But more importantly, it's going to help the people that your life was intended to reach. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc slash give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.